0: Hey, how's it going out there, everybody? Welcome to the Drum Shuffle. Jamie Eads joining you as I do each and every week. This is episode 85. Happy New Year. Hope everybody had a wonderful Christmas holiday season. Uh, Hope 2020 is off to a fantastic start for you. It sure is over here at the Drum Shuffle World Headquarters so happy to be back and we've got a great episode for you today i'm going to be joined by the great fred Eltringham right after this message from our sponsor los cabos drumsticks the best kept secret for drummers is finally out los cabos drumsticks may look like the sticks you grew up with but these are not your father's drumsticks los cabos drumsticks is canada's number one drumstick brand and they are coming to a retailer near you With operations in over 28 countries worldwide, thousands of drummers have already discovered the Los Cabos difference. Using FSC certified wood from Canada and the US, Los Cabos make the finest quality drumsticks, percussion tools, and accessories on the market. The best news, Los Cabos Drumsticks offers you a ton of choice. They have 22 individual drumstick models and 14 percussion tools, many of which are available in three different wood types, maple, white hickory, and red hickory. Red hickory comes from the center, or heart, of the hickory tree and has been independently proven to be both stronger and more elastic than white hickory without adding a lot of weight. While most drumstick manufacturers have shunned Red Hickory, Los Cabos Drumsticks has embraced it, becoming the only established stick brand in the world to offer a full line of Red Hickory Drumsticks. To learn more about Los Cabos Drumsticks, visit them online at Drumsticks.com. follow them on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, and don't forget to ask for Los Cabos Drumsticks at your favorite retailer. Dare to be different! Join the Red Hickory Revolution with Los Cabos Drumsticks. All right, guys and girls, as I mentioned, uh, going to be joined by just one of the great drummers uh, in this day and age, Fred Eltringham. Of course, you guys will know Fred most famously uh, as the drummer in Cheryl Crow's outstanding band. Uh, he's been playing with Cheryl now for Gosh, probably going on eight years, I want to say. And prior to his time in Cheryl's band, uh, Fred played in the Dixie Chicks. Uh, he was also a member of the Wallflowers, uh, played with Ben Queller. Uh, Fred has just done a ton of great work, and he is super busy in the Nashville recording scene as well. And I mentioned that in our interview, but you know, just in 2019 alone, uh, Miranda Lambert, Willie Nelson... I mean, he just records with everybody, which is pretty incredible. Um, he also holds the distinction of having double-drummed with Ringo Starr, Dave Grohl, on some benefit and charity kind of gigs that we talk about a little bit. But Fred is just a great dude getting a ton of great work done out there. Um, and it, it's, it's kind of a funny story, but one of my dear old friends, Clay Fuqua, uh, who is originally from up here in Kentucky, uh, is actually Fred's drum tech. Uh, so it was really cool for me to get to hang out with Fred for about an hour and talk about all the stuff that he has going on. And I'm sure you're going to get a lot out of this interview. So please help me welcome to the drum shuffle, Fred Eltringham. Hey, Fred, happy new year, brother. How are you, man? I'm good. Happy
1: new year. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So uh, I caught you the other night on the uh, the old Dick Clark's Rockin' New Year's Eve with Cheryl. How, oh, yeah. how was that? Was that a madhouse? It was
1: awesome. <laughs> uh, it wasn't too. Cr- I mean, we were backstage, so we had our own little. We have our own little zone. But the town was pretty, pretty lit up that night. Um, we uh, we had a great show. Really, we played for like an hour, and then they filmed um, two songs at the end of the set. To uh, or to broadcast live, right? And that was my first time ever doing the Dick Clark New Year's Reckoning. You know, I grew up watching that, you know, every year. So
0: <laughs> yeah, man,
1: it's pretty awesome. Ryan Seacrest is now, you know, he's the new Dick Clark. So
0: well, you know, I, I could um, argue that he is absolutely not the new Dick Clark, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: in terms of his his uh, career. Yes, Uh, arc like he's you know he's he's setting him up to setting himself up to be that you know that that type of uh, celebrity anyway he's got four hundred things going on it seems like
0: yeah well speaking of people having four hundred things going on man you've you've had a had a busy twenty nineteen and I'm sure twenty twenty is going to be be no different for you. Um, you know, I was just kind of looking through the projects you did and in twenty nineteen alone I, I noticed um, you know, Miranda Lambert, of course, Cheryl Crow, Rodney Crow, Willie Nelson, Vince Gill, Randy Hauser. I mean, my God, who didn't you record with in 2019? <laughs>
1: to people that i wish i could have yeah (laughs) no it was incredible it really is it's fun man i don't don't it's uh yes i'm very fortunate and um i've made a lot of good friends here and stuff so i'm able to to keep kind of busy you know it's it's nice
0: yeah yeah for sure well now you've you've been living in nashville um and I'll probably get this wrong, but like almost 15 years, is that right?
1: We moved here in 2007.
0: Okay. All right. So, so 13 years this year. 13
1: years. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, I know that your career has kind of taken a, a winding path and, you know, kind of our tradition here on the drum shuffle is to kind of have you start at the beginning. Now you're, you're a Philly suburbs guy, right? Originally, yep,
1: Westchester, Pennsylvania, or it's like 45 minutes outside of Philadelphia towards uh sort of towards the Delaware border.
0: Gotcha now you, and uh, you you came from a musical family, right?
1: I did. Yes, I'm the youngest of five, and uh, we all played instruments. we all took lessons. I started uh, playing drum, taking drum lessons when I was seven. And uh, my brothers and my sister all started taking lessons as well. And so, pretty quickly, about a year into it, I would say, we um, we started jamming as a band.
0: Oh, so like as a, a family, a family band kind of thing. A little
1: family band, yeah. Oh, that's killer, minus, man. Minus the parents, yeah. My mom sang in the choir and stuff, and she played some piano and um my dad tried playing guitar for a little while but he's he uh he loves music but um he's more of a math guy he's an yeah. engineer <laughs> he's a brainiac
0: yeah well that that's okay
1: uh, yeah no it's great and uh so they were super encouraging for all of us and we all just sort of doing it and loved it and uh Yeah, about a year after, you know, I did the drum pad for about a year and all snare drum stuff. And then finally got my first kit, which was like a little blue Sears drum set.
0: Of course. Which
1: which I think was made by Pearl, Pearl, but I'm not positive. And, And then... A couple of years in, I graduated up to the CB 700s. <laughs> yeah,
0: as did everybody of that era. Yeah. And
1: I even put them all together and made one giant drum set. <laughs> no, of
0: course you did. I mean, <laughs> that's yeah. That's just what we all did. Um,
1: Along with my toms, yeah, well, And then you, I had like yeah. two cymbals. So it was like a ton of drums and just two, two little cymbals. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's fantastic. Well, you know, I, I often joke with, with people and I say, you know, I can tell how old somebody is. I know exactly how old they are if they say, I had Rototoms or I did not have Rototoms, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, you, 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 <laughs> that's true, yeah. you can peg somebody within five or six years if, if they had Rototoms when they were a kid. So, <laughs> that's
1: true. I had them, um, and I also had octobonds. I had a, f- a set of four
0: octobonds. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so, so I had
1: them all going at once. At, at one point.
0: <laughs> so the the young drummer Fred was absolutely tearing up some uh, Peter Chris Kiss kind of stuff. I'm sure, and and we all that. We played a stuff.
1: little Kiss here and there, but we. Um, I mean, it's it started out with like, Hendrix and and. Uh, pink floyd and the beatles and stuff like that yeah i got gotcha. you and then um uh, and then it moved into uh to rush zone yeah and uh <laughs> so that's why i had all the toms and all that stuff i never could play those drum parts totally right you know oh, yeah, i tried yeah I tried my best
0: yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, I don't think any of us could, you know, but it was it was really about put, well, putting on the record or the or the cassette or whatever the case may be and just do your best, right?
1: Yeah, pretending to be, yeah. pretending to be Neil Peart for, for an hour. There was a kid in my neighborhood, and I remember his name was Eric Gunther, and he was a sick drummer, and he could play all that stuff, like, perfect. And we would just go and sit in his basement and watch him play a (laughs) first (laughs) song. Yeah, man. It was pretty insane.
0: There's something to be said for that, you know, because I I grew up much the same way in that, you know, kind of a, not a big town, but kind of a small town here in central Kentucky. And, you know, when you found a guy that was three years your senior that could play everything note for note, you know, my guy was Chris, yeah. Chris Cheatham was his name. He's in Nashville now doing all kinds of cool stuff. But, you know, I used to just go to his practice space and watch him shred for an hour and I would steal all that stuff or, or try to steal oh, yeah. it, you know. And that's that's yeah. what makes you a better player at a young age is, is picking up what other guys are doing.
1: Yeah. Well, even at an
0: old age, yeah, (laughs) that
1: never stops.
0: Yeah, I mean, I say all the time. Yeah, I say all the time. If I go see anybody play, I'm coming home with some new idea. I always, you know, and and that's that's what's so cool about it. But you know, after, correct me if I'm wrong here, and it's certainly your story, and I want you to tell it. But you know, after, um, you know, your school age days you ended up at berkeley in boston for a while is that right
1: yeah yeah i moved to uh boston i went there for the um five-week program first that they do in the summertime for people um it's mostly for high school age kids i think but there's all ages that go to that and from all over the world and um It just uh, it opened my eyes up to a whole new world, and just being in a new city like that, you know, I was really scared. Well, yeah, (laughs) moving up there and just like I remember driving into Boston with my parents and just being like, "Oh my god, what have I done?" All my stuff, (laughs) you know. And uh, but I did it, and the five week program was really great. I had some cool um private instructors and I ended up I met um Abe Laboreal Junior actually. Oh, he was cool. there at the same time. Yeah. I saw him do a, playing in a clinic with a bunch of teachers and it was Noel Redding was the clinic. Oh wow. Um basis for the experience. And so Abe was up there and we're the same age and he was just like kicking ass. And I was like, Oh my God, who is this guy? You know? So I just went up and introduced myself after their little performance and after the clinic. And, uh, and then I would run into him here and there around school. And he actually was dating this girl who worked in the performance department. And, um, She told me about some audition for scholarship because the you know tuition at Berkeley is really expensive.
0: (laughs) Yes, very.
1: And um, so I was like, all right, you know. She's like, you should really you should audition, and blah blah. So those guys kind of encouraged me to do this little audition, and I went and did it, and uh, ended up getting a scholarship—not full scholarship, but a little partial scholarship um, to go back the next semester. And, uh, so I did, I moved up there and stayed for, uh, what ended up being
0: like nine years. Nice. Well, in that, that era, if you were there at the same time as Abe, you know, um, I, the, the show's good friend, Johnny Rabb, he was up there at that time. I mean, it was, that was like, you know, I say it was a golden era. You know, Berkeley doesn't have a non-golden era, but you had Abe. You were there. Johnny Rabb was there. I think Stacy Jones, who ended up doing was there. American yeah. Hi-Fi and all that stuff. I mean, that that guy Daniel
1: Morton was there, who plays on The Void. Yeah,
0: man. He, we've had uh, Nate on the show. John Blackwell was there. Oh my God! I mean, that's a who's who of modern I recording. Know that was at Berkeley all at the same time. I mean, I know, it's really cool. And, um, uh, uh
1: little John Roberts. Oh yeah. There. Yeah. total beast. So, I mean, and these guys would all just like be playing in the cafeteria and stuff, <laughs> like doing these ripping <laughs> jazz gigs or I'd run into Abe and he'd be like, Oh man, come on down. jamming with the teachers doing this little fusion thing or whatever. <laughs> and i would just go sit in this little practice room or the, The guitar instructor's office, or whatever it was, and Uh, get my mind blown, and just be like, "Oh my god, I suck! (laughs) Like, what am I doing uh, here? um, Like this rock drummer, not knowing what I was doing." And uh, and Abe actually had me sub for him on a couple ensembles, and uh, it was pretty terrifying. I gotta (laughs) say, I was like, "Not good," and I totally blew it uh, a couple of things. And I was like, man, this doesn't feel
0: good. <laughs> See Fred, if you had just done better on those sub gigs for Abe, you'd be out with Paul uh, McCartney right now. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <Yeah. laughs> oh, man. so funny.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, uh, it was a great experience. I loved going to Berkeley. I really learned a lot. And my teachers were super cool. I studied with, uh, this guy, Rick Considine. And, um, and then with Ian Froman, um, who's this uh like jazz guy, he's incredible. And uh yeah, I loved it. I've learned so much and I got turned on to such great music that I probably never would have heard had I stayed yeah. <laughs> in uh in Westchester PA. And um yeah, and just, you know, kind of from that, I started playing in bands right away in Boston with this, um, this, these couple other dudes that I met, um, particularly this one guy, his name is Corin Ashley. He's a bass player and a songwriter, and he had a band. Um, they were just losing their drummer or something, and he asked me to come and jam with them, and and, uh, I did. And then we started playing, you know, they were already playing gigs around town and, uh, they were like a power pop, um, band, like, you know, like cheap trick and big sure. star kind of rock and roll band. And then, uh, just met a bunch of the scene, the rock scene in Boston was really incredible all throughout the nineties. There was so many cool bands, and everybody was torn around in their vans, and we all had these little record deals and things, and uh, just playing constantly and it was super fun. yeah well and uh, I,
0: I mean, I think a lot of a lot of the guys, and not to interrupt you certainly, but you know to kind of jump in, but a lot of the guys that were that were you know making up the core of that Boston rock scene at that time, have all gone on to other things. You know, I mean, obviously we mentioned Abe, you know, he's out with, you know, Paul McCartney. He's been doing that gig for a long time. Um, You know, uh, we mentioned Nate Morton, who we've had on the show before, you know, doing the voice gig. Uh, Johnny Rab is out with Collective Soul. I mean, it's just Mm -hmm. At that time, that was kind of the center of the universe. And, you know, you're a couple years older than me. And, you know, obviously I wanted to go to Berkeley. And as you mentioned, it's very expensive. And, you know, so it just didn't work out for me. But at that time in the 90s, Boston was kind of the center of the universe for bands to form and then guys go off to do their own thing. And I think that's kind of the path you followed as well, right?
1: Yeah, totally. And uh, you know, it just when you're in it and doing it, you're just kind of broke and playing music with your <laughs> friends. <laughs> you're not thinking about it in any of those terms about what it all means in the whole grand scheme, but you're just kind of like, "Oh my god, how am I going to, you know, pay my rent and uh play gigs and keep my gear and not have to sell, me, you know, whatever." <laughs> right. And uh so yeah. I mean, it was incredible. And, um, we, you know, we just got in the van and toured and toured forever. And, uh, this band particularly called the Gigolo Ants that I ended up joining and they, they were signed to RCA and already had a couple records out and stuff and a little bit of success. Um, through some like song placement things and movies and TV shows and things. And, um, so we just toured around in a van and opened for everybody. And, uh, it was the best experience ever.
0: Well, it- and I got
1: to meet really great players out on the, in cool bands out on the road
0: yeah and and making those connections counts because you know i i know enough about your career to know that you know kind of after your time in boston you spent some time you know moving back and forth from la and new york until you eventually ended up in nashville but yeah. you know i and i think everybody knows but along the way you know you spent a few years in the wallflowers with jacob dylan yeah. you know they their debut record, which I think Mario did with them, you know, sold like you know forty billion copies or something. I mean, it was a. It re-
1: was actually that was Matt Chamberlain. Was it?
0: Was it Chamberlain? Yeah. No kidding. Okay. Yeah. Right. yeah,
1: Mario joined after they recorded that record. Um, they had a they had a record out before that actually. It's called The Wallflowers, which is really great too, and you should check it out. And they used their band drummer on that, um, Peter. Uh and so and they all knew each other they all like kinda grew up together and went to high school together stuff. I gotcha. And um and then they made that second record with T Bone, Burnett. Okay. And Matt yeah, Matt Chamberlain playing a lot of people, they had a lot of guest musicians and stuff on that record. But yeah, they just crushed it. I mean the record's insane. And that's when I met them. Okay I met them. Two, three, 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 four, three. You know, the ends, that band I was talking about opened up um we had become friends with the Counting froze guys okay. uh, Adam Duritz loved our band and was a big fan singing our band after we got dropped and uh helped us put out a little record and stuff and was super generous and had us open, like hundreds of gigs for them and uh the the one big tour was the Wallflowers counting crows tour and they were both having massive hits. Yeah. And I remember seeing the wallflowers and going like, Oh man, be us count plane. I love that. <laughs> and, uh, loved all those guys and just got to be good friends with all of them. And, um, yeah, Mario ended up quitting. I was out on the road with, um, uh, this artist named Ben Queller is an indie rock guy. Yeah, from. sure. Um, he's from Dallas originally, um, but he was living in New York at the time. And he was—I was playing with him and touring around. And um, Greg from the Wallflowers called me and said, "Hey, Mario, leaving the band. We want to see if you want to come out and uh, and do some gigs." And I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> so we went on with the fun. Yeah, I ended up staying with them for like nine years, pretty much. Um, you know, there was some downtime in between, and I had to get other gigs. And um, so that's kind of when I, t- I went in and got a gig with the Dixie Chicks. Right. And uh during my time I was still in the Wolfighters, but we just weren't doing it doing anything and I had to make some money. I had my second kid come in, and we were taking a sort of a hiatus and uh yeah, I lucked out and uh got that gig, and that's when I started meeting uh a lot of people from Nashville, because yeah. a bunch of bunch of the guys in the band were uh Nashville guys.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, so let me ask this. The record that you did with the Wallflowers, um... I don't think many people know about that record because I th- I'm pretty sure the record label kept it a secret. secret. Yeah, from, yeah, from from the world. Don't tell
1: anybody.
0: Yeah, don't don't tell anybody. The Wallflowers put out a new record this year. Um, yeah, you know, and I you guys that. you guys toured quite a bit on that record, and I think that was the first time I saw you playing live. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. So, but the Dixie Chicks thing. I'm assuming that was a whole different ball of wax, you know, um, yeah. it, it, because Nashville, it, you know, I'm not trying to, to, to say anything bad, but the Nashville groups, especially a group as big as the Dixie Chicks, I'm imagining uh, that that was probably a you have to know somebody to even get in the inner circle, right?
1: Uh, yeah, Totally. And okay. I didn't really know anybody. Oh, know. wow. Okay. I mistakenly, I mean, I knew somebody just by accident, sort of. It was like, uh, the, well, how it all happened was I reached out to uh, Michael Bland, the drummer for uh, who played in the New Power Generation. Um, he and I met on tour when the Gigolo Ants opened some gigs for Paul Westerberg. He was playing with Paul Westerberg. Okay. And we got to be pals and uh so I just text I emailed him and I was like, "Hey man, Wallflower's is about to take a break and I need a gig. And so if you hear about anything, just let me know." And he was like, "Oh yeah, cool. Oh, he uh he had just played on a track for the Chicks a couple months prior and they asked him to tour, but he couldn't do the tour because he had just joined Soul Asylum.
0: Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> and uh, all these '90s bands, so awesome, but it is. Um, he um, remember how huge they were, Soul Asylum. Oh I my mean, god, they, they were yeah.
0: Huge, yeah. That, ridiculous. That record, what was it, Grave Dancers Union or whatever? I mean, it just yeah. You know, and, and and Dave is a monster songwriter too and I, I know. You know, I just don't awesome. know why they never caught on past that one record. It's it's am- I know. It's amazing to me that they were here and you know, you just thought, "Wow, man, rock has <laughs> you know, this n- great new yeah, band out of rock and roll out of Minneapolis and then they were gone uh, you know, almost as fast as they appeared, which sucks, you know, it does." I know. I know.
1: But anyway, so Michael Bland uh, hooked me up with the number or contact for the Dixie Chicks tour manager and like I emailed him and I was like, hey, and I didn't know much about it. I only knew, uh, I knew one song from the Dixie Chicks, Wide Open Spaces. Yeah. And I loved it. I was like, that's a great song. You know, I I think it was actually sort of a crossover. It, it was on VH1 and stuff. So I was like, you know, I knew it because I didn't know a ton of nineties country. Now, now I know who everybody is, but <laughs> at the time I was this rock guy. And, you know, you know, it was like, I, I, you know, the, you grow up knowing all the big, the massive country people like Johnny Cash and Willie and Dolly and Kenny Rogers and whatever. Yeah. But, uh, and watching hee haw and that kind of stuff. You see all those you see all those dudes. Yeah. But um so I didn't know anything about the country world, nothing. And I just reached out, he passed me along to the band leader, uh, David Grissom, great guitar player from Austin. Oh yeah. And David and I talked and stuff and I sent him a you know, whatever. A little uh, sort of, I guess, resume and CD, of those few things I had done and stuff. And I didn't hear from him for like two weeks. And uh, so I called him again. And I was like, "Hey, just checking in, you know." And he's like, "Yeah, I think we're going to go in a different direction, you know, nothing personal. We just had some other guys in mind that we're trying out." Blah blah blah. And I was like, oh, "Okay, cool." So I was like, "Well." I could just stop now or I could just give one more little chance. And I reached out to my buddy, um, Gary Loris, who is in a band called the uh, Jayhawks. Oh yeah. Uh, who I'd met through the wallflowers and he, I knew that he had written some songs, um, with the chicks for their new record. And so I just called him and I was like, Hey man, you know, I, I know this, you know, probably a long shot, but, um, if you put in a good word for me with the chicks or whatever, you know, I'd love to try out for that gig and stuff. And so he did. And they called me like right away and said, come on, we're at the the village in LA recording, mixing the record. And, uh, why don't you just come on down and we can talk for a while. And so I did. I went down there and just talked to Marty and Natalie for like two hours. We just sat there hanging out and laughing and looking at stuff online and being goofy. And, uh, I got the gig. Yeah. It was like, it was really,
0: (laughs) yeah, that that was the, can can we live on a bus with this guy for the next 18 months? that, that's what that tryout was, you know?
1: Exactly. Yeah. I didn't play or anything, you know, we just sat there and talked. That's cool. really cool. And um, it all worked out great, you know? I mean, had I gone in there and sucked on the first day, I'm sure it wouldn't have <laughs> right. lasted. But. Right. Yeah, Gr-
0: Grissom would have been like, yeah, we, we're moving in a different direction for sure this time. <laughs> yeah, we're
1: definitely moving in a different direction. <laughs> well, you know,
0: um, I, well, I think what was so cool about you in that Dixie Chicks gig was, I'm going to go out on a limb and say you were the only guy in a country band out touring around with, you know, some nineteen late 1970s, 60s Ludwig standards on that, yeah. <laughs> you know, at that time, which was really cool, you know, and, and only a total. Well, drum... that was my only care. Yeah, well, that's a good point. <laughs> a but yeah. you know, only a total drum nerd would would check that out. And this is a perfect segue. I, I've got to get this in. We got to plug our mutual buddy Clay Fuqua. Um, yes, Clay. At, at the time that you were doing that gig playing those Ludwig standards, I had just bought a Blue Strata Ludwig standard kit from Clay when he was at Forks in Nashville. Nice. And I was like, "Oh, this is He's so cool!" He's working on one
1: for me right now, actually, the blue one.
0: Oh, really? Okay, He's cool. cool. one up, yeah. Cool.
1: <laughs> I, I used he got me the TomTom recently. I used it on a some recording here yesterday. It sounds great, but yeah, that's funny.
0: That's cool. It, so yeah. So, that. but you know your av- your Avocado Strata uh, Ludwig, you know, standard kit. That's the one that we see you with most often. I mean, I've seen it on the you know the Skyline Live thing or Skyville Live. Skyville, yeah. yeah. I've seen you playing it on there. It that's a great yeah. looking kit, but I know it's been modified pretty heavily over the years just to stand up to the touring, right? Yeah, that hasn't been changed really that much. Uh, maybe some.
1: I think we actually we got it back to all the proper hardware and um yeah so it's pretty close to the to the original thing i think maybe we put some new uh claws on the kick drum okay and uh but yeah i bought that drum set in like 94 out of the window at jack's drum shop in boston cool and um yeah well, you know my, my babies.
0: Well, like I said, you you were the only uh, you know modern country guy out with you know forty year old Ludwig's uh, when you were out with the, <laughs> the chicks. You know, um, now w- was that a uh, was that a, a click gig and and all that stuff or, or
1: yeah, I, yeah yeah they use a the click okay um and uh, there was a couple songs that had like. Uh, some uh, computer things running with it but not too many maybe two and uh, but they yeah they liked using the click live I there was a few songs where I could just start the song and turn it off right but it's also it's a huge band it was a big band it was like nine people in the band plus them so uh, it's kind of good to have us all locked in sort of (laughs) yeah It it could get squirrely pretty quick but um, yeah, it was, yeah, you know, and, yeah. yeah. So that was my first time using the click on a game too. And
0: no pressure in- ears. Yeah. No, no, yeah. no, no pressure at all. You know, we're, we're, <laughs> we're going to do a stadium tour, uh, w- with a guy that we know is a good hang we haven't heard him play. <laughs> You're gonna be using ears for the first time. You're gonna be playing a click yeah. to a click for the first time. The, I know. So it's <laughs> <was> like okay. <laughs> baptized by fire, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, totally. But it was awesome, man. It all worked out great. And they were super fun and uh made some little, you know, lifelong friends and um like Audley Freed was in the band too.
0: Oh, and no he, way! You know, he like, was in the band at that yeah. time. Oh that's killer, yeah, man. we both
1: got it at the same time, so like, and we play with Cheryl together now, and yeah, um we have done a lot of a lot of the same gigs uh throughout the years. I got him in with Jacob's first solo tour, and um or Jacob Dylan's first solo tour, and uh we play with a bunch of people around town here together. We've done some of those Don was house band concerts and things together. And so, yeah,
0: well, uh, it's pretty cool. Of course, everybody's going to recognize oddly Freed's name from, you know, his time in the Black Crows. I think that's, you know, when his name exploded into the conscious minds. But I'm going to tell you right now, those two Cry of Love records are probably two of my all time favorite rock records (laughs) that's awesome i mean
1: it's crazy how many people come up to him all over the world too and uh will say the same thing
0: well it's because those records were just they were unlike anything else at that time this would have been you know 92 93 i guess and it was just it was different and it was so badass i mean it really was i mean i still to, to this day we will put on, you know, that first record and just rock my brains out for, you know, 45 <laughs> yeah, minutes. I love it, man. It is a gift. Yes.
1: Yeah, it's just great, great rock and roll. It is. Well,
0: know. you know, you, you're talking about Cheryl's band. I'm just curious, you know, when you went into that gig, how much of a connection between Dave Grissom and Peter Stroud was there there? Was there any bridge there? Because I know those guys are pretty tight with each other.
1: Uh, yeah, actually I think that is when I first met Peter was on that tour, uh, with the chicks cause he came out he was doing 65 amps. Um, his amp company, that he's no longer, uh, a part of right? per se. Like he'll go to the damn show sometimes and do demos and stuff for him, but his buddy kind of took over the whole thing now. Um, it's a really great amp company and all these dudes were using it. I'm pretty sure David was using it, but they, they knew each other just from being guitar players and stuff. And, um, and he knew oddly as well. Okay. Oddly. So yeah, I met him out on tour there and then, um, would just see him ran, you know, and other things like, uh, when I was doing, um, the Wreckers, which was Michelle Branch's uh, country foray, she, um, her guitar player was playing 65 amps, or no, you know what it was? It was Keith, we were out on the Keith Urban Tour, and some of those guys were using 65 amps, and so Peter showed up there too. Okay. And uh, so we got to be pals through that, and then we formed a band eventually. Um, with me and Peter and Audley and Robert Kearns, our bass player, who was also in Cry of Love. And um, and this guy, Keith Gaddis is a songwriter from Texas here in Nashville. And uh, a keyboardist named Ike Stubblefield. And um, we went down to Atlanta and recorded a little EP, Uh, under the name Big Hat. Then we put that out. So that was like our little country, Southern Rock side project thing. And then, uh, so when Cheryl decided that she wanted, some of her guys in her band were off um, touring with Noel Gallagher.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. uh,
1: So... She had to find a band to play some gigs, and she was like, how about we try and find some people in Nashville? And Peter was like, well, I got this band going right now, and everybody's really great, and they've all done this and this and that. And Cheryl distrusted him and said, okay, well, let's let's try it out. And we went in and, and jammed and played a little. Uh, our first gig was in New Orleans, actually, playing a little corporate gig with like six songs. And, um, it all just, you know, eight years later, whatever, almost eight years later, we're still rocking.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So
1: yeah, that's kind of how that all came together.
0: Well, and, and this begs the question, you know, just about, you know, 10 minutes ago in our interview, we were talking about you being in Boston, you know, I hope I don't have to sell my gear this month to, to pay rent. To yep. <laughs> you know, being in a band with arguably one of the biggest you know international touring and recording stars of the past thirty years, um, yeah. do do you ever wake up and just kind of have to you know pinch yourself just a little and go, man, I'm I'm on stage with Cheryl Crow right now.
1: Yeah. That happens a lot. Yeah, yeah, we yeah we all kind of take note when something really. Um, special you know happens for us or we get to play somewhere that you're just like i can't believe we're doing this right now you know um you kind of go like all right this is pretty awesome (laughs) 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 my life is pretty cool right now at this moment you know well and over even uh even after uh, the other night we played in new orleans for the new year's eve and then after the gig we played until like nine forty or something, but then we had to stay and wait for midnight to come. To go right. back up on stage, they're filming the whole thing. And, but a few of us ran over to House of Blues to watch uh, Zigaboo, oh Boo, at least, and, <laughs> and George Porter Junior. like kicking ass.
0: Yeah, man. In New
1: Orleans, you know, on New Year's Eve, and going like, "Wow, this is really." This is really super cool that we get to do this. Then we go back to the gig. We do the New Year's Eve and then get a police escort to the airport <laughs> <laughs> through the streets of New Orleans while, while there's, like, fireworks going off in everybody's backyards to the left <laughs> and the right. It's all flat down there, so you see this whole thing going on, and we're, like, whipping through traffic with the police bringing us there. And you're just like, man, my life is insane. What is happening?
0: Well, over at Uh, your website right now at, you know, fredeltringham.com, when you click on your website, there's a picture of you double drumming with Ringo. I mean, I you know, I I don't know when or where that occurred, but...
1: That's pretty incredible.
0: I'm sure you were thinking to yourself... Holy Mother of God! I am sitting <laughs> oh, here yeah. double drumming with Ringo, frickin' Star. <laughs> yeah, <it's> insane.
1: <laughs> yeah, those were those the two like coolest uh, days ever. Uh, we got. I was in the house band. Oddly, actually, put the band together for that. Yeah, um, we were in the house band for this thing up in Seattle at the Museum of Pop Art um it was called their founders award um, and they were giving an award to uh Joe Walsh okay i guess he donates donates money to their thing and they um they expose kids and uh to art you know around the area or whatever to music and 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 painting and dance and everything it's really cool so anyway, uh, Joe was getting this award, and
0: he happens
1: to be best friends with Ringo Starr. They're married to sisters.
0: Of course they are. So yeah,
1: <laughs> Ringo's married to Barbara Bach, and then Joe's married to Barbara Bach's sister. So, um, so they just fly around everywhere in private jets, then go over with you know, together, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> so we were yeah, we got asked to do this thing for Joe and we, you know, back up a bunch of artists playing his songs and then we get to play with him and do all this stuff. And it was like Todd Rundgren <laughs> and Paul Rogers and uh Robert Randolph and just all the you know, super sick. and Dave Grohl happened to be there as well.
0: Oh Dave yeah. Grohl yeah, and, and why, Taylor. Why wouldn't up, be? Put, you know,
1: I know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah to put more pressure on me. Great. Uh,
0: so they
1: got up and jammed with Joe too. Um. So we just played all these songs. Thereby, Ringo came to rehearsal, and. Uh, you know, like, five minutes beforehand, so we thought he was just going to play the song by itself. Like, they, had, the word had come down, like, yeah, he's just going to play, and, like, I would just play tambourine or whatever, which I was totally psyched about anyway. Yeah, I that's... i like, wow, that, need to re- get to meet Ringo, and I'll play tambourine with them.
0: Yeah, that's then, fine. You know? Yeah, I'm not being greedy here. That's, that's <laughs> yeah, A-OK. Exactly,
1: I'll take whatever. Yeah, it's great. Then, five minutes before they get there... His manager, and said Ringo wants to do double drums. He doesn't know the song. He he <laughs> usually just plays double drums in his in his band. You know, he just that's what he wants to do. And they were like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> so they're throwing together. I was like, "Yes, yeah, and, no uh, doubt." So they threw together another kit. There, Ringo shows up. So sweet, just like bopping around, like all Ringo-y and saying funny stuff and being <laughs> real kind to everybody, and just you know, he's just Ringo. Yeah. And I'm like helping him set up his drums, and we're joking around and stuff. It was just incredible. It's totally incredible. Practiced the song, and then uh, hung out for a while. And then the next day, we did the show, and he was there hanging out. It was it was unbelievable. It was really unbelievable. And I got to play double drums with Dave that night as well. Oh my Dave God! Dave decided that he wanted to play on uh, Funk forty nine, so he got up mm-hmm. with the jam. It was, it was unreal.
0: That's that's crazy, man. I mean, it's just yeah, it was totally unreal. It's nuts. And well, okay, so I I, I I'm gonna interject a little bit of of. of Me here, you know, I I noticed a couple of years back when the Stones did the Tennessee Titans Stadium in Nashville. Clay had actually posted an Instagram photo of the two of you behind Charlie's drum set. And I was just like, man, Clay, you suck. I know we're friends and everything, (laughs) but you're a terrible human being for posting this, you know.
1: I know.
0: So, yeah, that was pretty incredible, too.
1: I mean because well, he orchestrated uh he orchestrated getting uh a kit to um that Charlie wanted to buy
0: oh wow okay
1: it was um oh jesus i'm blanking on um uh, i'm blanking on elvis's drummer's name
0: uh oh d j Fontana.
1: yeah d j he Wanted to buy DJ's uh, kit. It was one of those, uh, the top hat and cane.
0: Yeah, I think, you know. wasn't it the one that Sam Bacco restored? Yeah. It, okay. All right. Yeah. I, I know. So, that, yeah. Okay. So yeah, so Clay, Clay knows, of course, was in the middle Shirley's of it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And orchestrated that whole thing getting coming together for, uh, and I think Charlie bought it. I think he ended up buying it.
0: Yeah, well, I'm sure but we he did. We didn't get to
1: meet Charlie, unfortunately. They said, because it was Nashville and they had like a million guests there. Oh, I'm sure. And, uh, and the attack was just kind of like, Maybe, you know, if you guys come out to a show where it's a different uh, town, closer, you know, not such a crazy scene, they could do it. Yeah.
0: Well, so even like, still, that figure that out. He, he, <laughs> but right. yeah, it was
1: insane. Yeah, I got to touch his drums. And uh, he's got this little rickety old drone still, and he's using like a, a Speed King and everything. I'm like, what? How yeah. is this possible?
0: Yeah, man. He, he's
1: 76 years old, rocking a stadium.
0: He he likes what he likes. And, you know, I mean, I've, we had John DeChristopher on the show, who's really good friends with, with Charlie, and he told some great stories. But, you know, I think my favorite was, Charlie needed a new Speed King pedal. And I think he went to Don Bennett's shop up in the Northwest, right? And he was looking mm-hmm. for a new Speed King pedal. And, you know, so Don had lined up like 10 Speed Kings for him to try out. And, you know, he was, you know, messing with each of them. And he was like, well, I kind of like this one, but not that one. And, you know, Don was like, well, you know, I can adjust it. And he said, Charlie looked at him and went, what? He, he didn't know that yeah. you could adjust the tension on a Speed King <laughs> bass drum pedal incredible. so he had been going around the world finding one that was set exactly where he wanted it you know he thought it just wore down to that point point. and you know i said but he's charlie watts he doesn't have to think about this stuff he's right. you know he's the drummer of the stones he, he why would he know about that right i mean that's, <laughs> So,
1: it's really I, funny actually.
0: Yeah, it, I mean it's beyond funny. That that's one of the best stories I've ever heard in my life. But it's incredible. It is incredible, you know, but I mean that's uh, that's why you're Charlie Watts, you know? Yeah. So um, yeah. So I I want to get this in, you know, and I want to be respectful of your time, but I do want to get this in. I know you've got some gigs with Cheryl coming up, and and I want to plug one in particular. You're going to be up here in my neck of the woods in Lexington, Kentucky, in April for a big show. It's the I think the first ever concert. At Kroger Field, which is you know the old Commonwealth Stadium where the the University of Kentucky Wildcats football team plays, it's Cheryl yeah. and Chris Stapleton, and I mean it's just an insane lineup. Uh, so I, I yeah, I want to plug that. So wh- what's the pre-production look like on that? Have you <laughs> have you seen anything yet? Because that's a big bill. I no. <laughs> yeah,
1: I don't know. I have no idea, but it's going to be. Yeah, it's going to be super fun yeah yeah we love all those guys. we're actually playing a bunch of shows with uh with stapleton this year i'm excited about that he's he's kicking ass so
0: yeah for sure man
1: um and i know that i think jason isbell is on that as well yeah on that concert but uh yeah it's gonna be super fun well we gotta have you come out to the gig.
0: Well, I, I would love to. Um and if sure. you're offering, I'm gladly accepting. Um, you know, I would would love to get together and have a cup of coffee with you. You know, I all these mutual connections that we have, it, the fact that we've never met in person is is honestly kind of amazing. But I know you know, know. it's it's crazy. But everybody's so busy. I mean, you know, it's yeah. it, in this day and age in the music industry, if you're not in motion, you're you're dying kind of thing. I mean, it's just like you're you're a slave to the road now. You know, it used to be about yeah. let's sell the record, now it's not that at all. It's it's let's stay on tour kind of thing. And you know, I'm yeah. I'm pals with Jason's drummer Chad, and you know, yeah, we, awesome. you know, he's a great player, but we caught up with them when he did his Ryman residency in October. And Oh, killer, yeah. And hung out with Chad for a few minutes. And, you know, he was literally, like, they had a couple of weeks off, then it was into the studio with Dave Cobb to get the new record together, and then it was go do one of the cruises, you know, and, yep. it, you know, it's yeah, just, never it never stops for anybody, but so. That's,
1: that's what you got to do, though. Yeah. You know,
0: that's just, you know.
1: And uh luckily, like Cheryl's thing, we mostly tour in the summertime we do play gigs like every month but um we're not out doing like crazy touring like that or even or even like weekends every weekend or it's more uh because she's she's a single mom and she's got kids you know and they're in school and everything so she's got to be around for them as much as possible and uh it was kind of a nice little schedule you know it's like we do a ton of shit we do like tons of stuff always but uh it's kind of spread out a little bit and it doesn't feel like we're just gone all the time which is nice
0: yeah for sure but i mean you stay really busy with the studio thing too so when you're not on the road I'm, i'm guessing you know are you doing a session a week uh or are you even busier than that
1: Oh, yeah, it's probably more than that. Like, uh, yeah, at least a couple things a week, if not more. And, you know, that all goes in phases, too. You know, there's certain times a year where it's busier and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I just it's, it's really nice. I mean, I, got my, I have a place at my house, too, to record. And um, so that's been picking up more. And, uh, you know, people just send tracks and, and, uh, send them WAV files back of, of stuff. And I really love doing that. So now, yeah, are, are, it's constant. It is constant.
0: Are, are you doing <laughs> any teaching on the side as well? Or, or are you, you, I'm, I'm guessing you're probably okay with just the Cheryl gig and the Skyville live and, and doing your studio sessions, but do you teach um, at all?
1: Uh, I do not I don't know. I'm not really a teacher. I, I mean, I'm. I enjoy talking about it and stuff. And if somebody wants to hang and talk about drums and concepts and things, I'm happy to do it. I wouldn't consider myself really a teacher. Um, and like someone actually just contacted me the other day from England, and they were like, "Hey, can we do a, like a Skype lesson or whatever, Facebook or something?" And, I was like, yeah, sure. You know, I'm I'm happy to to do that stuff, um, but I don't I don't claim to be any kind of like teacher or anything like that. You know.
0: Yeah. So so in other words, you're not going to say, okay, go to page thirty six of Stick Control, and we'll work through.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Let's work on some syncopation here. Yeah,
0: for sure. Um,
1: but I I would you know I'm I'm always open to sit and talk about drumming. And uh, and and music. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, and yeah. you know, and and that's the the super cool thing. You know, I mean, I reached out to you. I don't know a, a week ago, and it was like, yeah, sure, man, let's do it. You know, and you yeah. know, shame on me for not doing it before now. But you know, I saw you, like I said, uh, on the New Year's Eve thing, and I was like, you know, man, I I'll just name drop Clay. And, you know, surely it'll be like, oh, yeah, cool. Let's, you know, I'll like find an hour. Guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Who is that guy? Who? but you know yeah keep him away from me yeah that's right so uh but anyway i i really do appreciate you taking the time to to do this and come on um of course i'm glad to do it yeah man well one of our traditions here i'm gonna this is the part where i put you on the spot you know so this will really require some brain power but we ask all of our guests for a good piece of advice and you know, I mean, I think, you know, we talked about your career path has kind of, you know, taken some twists and turns, some moves from L.A. to New York, back to L.A. to Nashville. You know, you've you've been around. You were in Boston for a while. Over all these years and these amazing gigs that, that you've done, you know, what would you say to another drummer or another musician that would help them in their day-to-day life?
1: Um. Well, I guess you know uh, different things make everybody different people happy, you know. So you just got to try and find uh, the thing that's going to make you happy, and and uh, and just you know be true to what uh, what you want to accomplish as a musician or 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 whatever, you know, or in, in life in general. <laughs> you, know? Yeah. You, just gotta, uh, you know, you just got to, uh, you know, what you do with your life reflects, it comes through your music and everything. So, um, just gotta be a good person and work hard and do your homework, you know, learn about, uh, your heroes and, and, and what they did in their life and, and, and what made them great. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Um and why they sound the way they do and what and and what made that be an attraction for you and and just try to find your own thing and uh and stick to it, you know, like yeah, I think it's just that's about it really
0: <laughs> yeah well, I, I mean, and I think that's great advice, and you, you know i I say this all the time. Um, on this show no matter who I have you know uh, for, for example you know this time last year I had Marco Miniman on the show and yeah. it, nobody can do that right except nobody can do that, it, I know. Except great. for Marco and you know don't uh, you know I've, I've always said don't compare yourself to everybody else because you're not everybody else I can, that's right you know I can't do what Benny Greb does you know I, I, no. I you know so I, I think you have to find your lane as a musician. And I think that's what you're saying there really is find totally. what what makes you happy, get in your lane and, and do that full tilt, yeah. you know?
1: Yeah. Um, it'll make, make, it'll just make you a happier person.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and, and you know, y- y- your career is, you know, I think is a perfect example of somebody who has worked hard, you've networked, and you use some of those connections to kind of go from one gig to the next. And you're having a hell of a lot of fun right now with your life yeah. as a drummer. Yeah. You know, I mean it, it could be a lot worse. We could be, you know, working as a short order cook someplace, right? I mean <laughs> That's right. I know. I know. It's a whole lot more We're fun to and play toilet, drums. And
1: toilets and a rest stop yeah, you
0: know? yeah. I mean Something's
1: somebody's gotta do it, but you don't wanna be that person.
0: <laughs> that's that's exactly that's right. A
1: hard, that's a hard uh that's a hard lot in life, yeah.
0: It is for sure
1: well yeah, no I'm very fortunate man I work hard you know I really do I practice and uh, and try and keep my head straight and uh, and just try to be to be a good person and uh, and spread some some peace and love to to people and 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 uh, you know just try to live right. For sure, man.
0: Well, that's some of that Ringo Starr rubbing off on you right there, you know? Yeah, that's right.
1: That's right. He's right. He is I
0: mean, right. Come on. He is right. Peace, well, love,
1: peace love.
0: That's right. Music is the industry, um, you know, and, and I, I want to get your take on this, but the industry really is dog eat dog. I mean, we, we know that it's super competitive for gigs and whatnot, but it doesn't cost you anything to help the next guy out. And that's the way I've always tried to live is, you know, if somebody needs to borrow, you know, a bass drum pedal, or, you know, if I can put in a good word for another gig that I'm not, you know, shooting for it, it costs me nothing to do that. And we're all in it together kind of thing.
1: That's right. I do that all the time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Well, and l- let me just—I I don't want to leave any gray area here, Fred. You know, and and I don't, and, and I d- and I don't want to, you know uh um you know nudge in on my buddy clay but if you ever get the <laughs> flu and you're about to double drum with ringo call me man i'll be on the next plane to wherever it is you are okay you got it all right yeah that's a deal you know i don't want to wish any ill will on anybody but you know if, <laughs> if you if you're double drumming with ringo and and don't feel well just just say you know the what word you
1: the thing is clay didn't even get to see that
0: are you kidding he me he was not
1: there No, cuz it wasn't a we didn't have any texts for that thing. This is kinda like weird, you know, we we're doing our own. And
0: uh And he still talks to you after
1: that? that? Another day there was actually another show where we uh we got to perform for Ringo was getting an award. This was like last year. Uh he was getting a humanitarian award from uh, UNICEF. Oh, it yeah, It was yeah. like the George George Harrison Humanitarian Award. Yeah. And so he went up and gave a speech, got to be around him again. He gave a speech, and then, like, you know, he saw us from his table, and he was waving and giving us a peace sign, and then, like, <laughs> waited side stage, when we were down. I came down, and I was like, hey, give me a hurry. Remember, totally remembered me, and I couldn't believe it. I was, like, crying. <laughs> and Clay missed that one, too. Clay oh had some God. kind of, uh, I think it was some kind of family thing that he, he had to miss it, unfortunately. Um,
0: but, um, yeah. Well, you know, I, someday, someday I gave Clay a bunch of grief when he was tech in for Jay Bellarose. Um, they were doing the Grammys and he got to hang out with Paul McCartney, you know, sir, Paul. Oh yeah. And he was like, you know, during rehearsals or whatever, he, he just kind of walked up to him, you know, and I was like, well, what'd you say? And I, I, If I'm remembering it correctly, I think Clay just said, great job on Let It Be or something like that. I mean, it was something (laughs) something so totally funny that that Clay would totally say. You know what I'm saying? So, (laughs) um, you know, Clay is Uh, good people, man. I consider him a brother and you've got yourself one hell of a drum tech. I know that. So he's
1: my He's the best ever,
0: yeah, Such a I, sweetheart. I'm gonna have to get him on the show to tell some some Fred stories. You should actually. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna yeah, have
1: to. That would be a good. Uh, that would be a good little conversation. Yeah. He's had a pretty exciting time too.
0: Yeah, for sure. I'm gonna. I'm gonna have to call him. We'll. We'll talk about every mother's nightmare and you know the <laughs> the Memphis hair <laughs> metal days. He's done a little bit of everything. So I know
1: he sends me pictures every once in a while. And it's pretty hilarious.
0: Yeah, man. Good yeah. Stuff. Yeah, for sure. Well, Fred, man, thank you again so much. Uh, I hope 2020 yeah, is pleasure. just a great year for you. And we'll we'll have to do Thanks, this again sometime, man. Uh, for I sure. I would
1: love that. Cool. Yes, please. That would that'd be awesome. Thanks, Jamie.
0: Hey, no problem, man. I appreciate you taking the time. We'll talk to you real soon.
1: Okie dokie. All right. See you, Fred. Thanks, buddy. See you, man.
0: All right, everybody, that's going to wrap up episode 85 of the Drum Shuffle. As always, many thanks to Fred for taking time out of his busy schedule. He had a little bit of downtime at home in Nashville with his family. Uh, So I appreciate him taking an hour out of his busy schedule to do this. Uh, Just a, a great hang, I thought. Thanks to each and every one of you for listening to the show. We simply cannot do it without your support, and you do that by listening. If you like the show, give us a thumbs up, a star rating, a review on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify. Hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you use to listen into the drum shuffle. It helps us more than you know, and you're certainly not going to want to miss some of the guests that we have coming up. Here over the next few weeks, we're going to be joined again by the great Dina Toriello. Uh, She is now on the Little Shop of Horrors Broadway show. We're working uh, to get our schedules together to get Dina back on the show. Uh, Rod Elkins from uh, Tyler Childers Band is going to be joining us here before too long. So we're working on some really cool stuff to have great guests on the show. So if you like it, hit the thumbs up, give us a rating, a review, hit the subscribe button. That's all we can do uh, to ask from you guys. Now, if you like the show, you want to send us a message, we do answer every single email. We get the drum shuffle podcast at gmail.com. Our web address is the and you can find more information about me over at jamieeds.com. While you're there, click on those social media links, like us and follow us there. We appreciate that help as well. I hope everybody has a fantastic week out there. So until next time, may your heads stay strong and your sticks never break. Cheers, everybody.